This ritual has been passed down in our family for generations. Hundreds of years ago now, there was a great warrior called a Jedi who came to this planet and died here. But first, he entrusted this treasured sword to our ancestor. Through his teachings, this ancestor was taught how to wield the blade. And ever since, both it and those techniques have been passed down for generations. For you, Obi-Wan, we meet again at last. This is Waiting for Obi, a Star Wars podcast. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. Join us as we explore the stories told in a galaxy far, far away, providing narrative context and reactions to Star Wars on Disney Plus and beyond. Hello there. And now... Waiting for Obi, with your hosts, Jason and Kim. Welcome back. Long time no see. Howdy, folks. Uh, we are here to uh, to wrap up our look at Star Wars Visions. We've got two more left to go, and today we're going to talk about the eighth installment in the Star Wars Visions cycle, Lop and Ocho. I liked this one. I, I like the anime style of this one, too. Yeah, I like Lop. Fun. I like Lop, the character. Um, Lop and Ocho were, uh, was produced by the anime studio Gino Studio, a fairly new studio with not a lot of credits or names, so really is not terribly mm. much to report, um, which I think is also reflected in maybe the, the voice cast they did for this one as well, and on the English side, is, but, uh, I, I went for a lot of Disney, old Disney favorites, I feel like, old, on that one. They, yeah. they pulled from the Disney, if you have kids, you probably recognize some of these. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... But yeah, so let's just dive right on in. Let's do it. So we're going to talk about this episode. So oh, this is this is the part where I go, hang on, people. We're going to talk about episode eight, and if you haven't watched episode eight, then you might want to watch it because we're going to talk about it, and we're going to tell you all the stuff that happens, and we may even talk about some other stuff from other Star Wars that could take place or sort of connect to this. So this is your spoiler warning. As usual, here at waiting for Obi. Well, my favorite thing. We're still to, waiting for Obi. Oh. We're still waiting for Obi. We've been waiting for Obi for years. Um, as usual, we like to talk about narrative context. Um, and as typical with Star Wars Visions, narrative context is is kind of a loose term because these shows do not fit into the typical Star Wars canon. They are canon adjacent. Uh, they do not. They are not beholden. The canon is not beholden to it, although they themselves are inspired and somewhat beholden to canon. Uh, if you follow what I just said, then you. Should pack you get a on gold the back. star. Yeah. <laughs> um, Email Jason. He'll send you a gold star. I will send you a gold star. So uh, this this episode <laughs> takes place during the height of the Galactic Empire. Uh, it feels very much like the first, you know, maybe somewhere between five and fifteen years after the uh, the fall of the Jedi Order. Uh, it's just kind of like right in that height of them starting to control everybody and, 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 and taking over systems and that type of thing. It features the character Lop, who is a Lepi. Uh, Lepis have an interesting history in Star Wars. Um, the first Lepi ever to be seen in a, in any Star Wars medium actually occurred in 1977 in the comics. Oh, wow. And there was this character called Jackson. And Jackson was, for all intents and purposes, a giant green bunny. Okay. Um, and so, kind of one of the, you know, 
back when Star Wars didn't take themselves terribly seriously. I mean, the holiday special, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and all the other kind of media surrounding Star Wars, even before Empire Strikes Back, um, they got a little crazy. And there really wasn't this, um, this collective fandom and this collective idea that everything needs to be you know true and authentic within the narrative of this world that they're building uh so jackson's kind of wild i mean in a, in a way jackson's kind of a, a space adventure very similar to kind of got a lot of han solo vibes knows han solo very well um mm-hmm. in the non-canon world of star wars jackson was revived um and brought into canon through the star wars adventure comics published by idw in the last 10 years um, okay. So Jackson is is a is a canonical character, not as crazy nuts as he was originally drawn, but um, that is that is where we were first introduced to the species of the Lepi, which you know, for our non Star Wars living eyes, looks like a giant and uh, bunny. Um, they're cute. I like them. They are. They are cute. That's uh, very true. But it's nice. I think this is the first time we've ever seen a Lepi. Um. In any sort of medium aside from comics, mm-hmm. so that's kind of cool. And, and is he the only one that we've really seen pop up in anything Jackson? prior to this? Is Jackson yes. the only one? Yes, okay. Jack- yeah. Jackson was a featured character, and Jackson was always treated very much like uh, like would go on adventures with Solo, but would never like a whole. Uh, as far as I know, there was there was rarely ever like a whole bunch of Leppy or any other side characters that are also Leppies. Yeah. Um, so it was very. Uh, it was a unique character at the time, and now I think they're. You know, there is this opportunity to build this race of characters that we haven't mm-hmm. seen before. Because I mean, live action was very difficult, and uh, there wasn't. Never, Bunnies never, are really hard to train. That's why live action is so hard. You know, right? <laughs> so, anyways. but I'm just curious because it's, it's that's an interesting choice for the store, studio, though, then to choose such a rare Star Wars character to really make their their main character. Yeah. What I also like cool. about it is we. We oftentimes in Star Wars will associate a particular person as reflective of that that person's race. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for the longest, I say for the longest time, you look at a weak way and you think of Han, you think of Hondo and all the you know the weak way pirates, mm-hmm. and until you see like a weak way who's like rearing children or you know cooking in a kitchen or something you know <laughs> less crazy and a little more pedestrian. <laughs> yeah, you don't get that. You 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 have that association with almost an entire race of people, which is almost unfair, right? Um, so it's kind of nice to see stereotyping. That's right. what that is called. So it's kind of nice to see you know different versions, you know, another type of character in totally. this particular race. I like that yeah. a lot. Um, and I think you've already mentioned the voice cast were Disney yeah, Channel well, I didn't have a lot of a lot of Disney Channel alums, or at least a couple. Like uh, our main two characters are both Disney from one from Hannah Montana, and the other from some Descendants of it, uh, movies. So I do not have children. I do have nieces and nephews, so I'm familiar with the Descendants. Thankfully, I missed out on most of Hannah Montana. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So this show takes place on the planet Tau. Which was created for this episode as many of these planets. Okay. Are. There's no there's no backstory okay. history. Um and gotta love the outer rim. Yeah, I love the outer rim. And we see uh we see Lop kind of stealing to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh somehow she's befriended this droid T D four. And they run into uh Ocho and her father, if I'm not mistaken, that's their relationship. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and basically just take her in. Like they like almost adopt Lop on the spot for you know for whatever reason they feel like they won't give her a better life, and they can provide it. Well, a lot of it is like his daughter really likes Lop at the time. Yeah. So they're you know they're besties that sort of thing, and then once they, she does mention that you know she's orphaned. Mm-hmm. And so that's just when they're like, okay, well now you're part of this family. And there's, and there Which is, is cool. there is a, like we see that the empire is like sort of uh, coming into this place, coming into the, um, the planet Tau. And uh, yeah, early on it does, it does kind of mention, there's kind of a narrator that'll mention that Tau has welcomed the galactic empire mm-hmm. because they're looking at it far from an industrial advancement point of view not really realizing what what the empire is really planning to do yeah. which is and i think we we do see the, that in other star wars we do offerings that's a very you know? very much what you know, star wars is also really bad about planets that are just extremes you know between mm-hmm. the desert planet hoth the ice planet we don't often see like a typical planet and this one seems like a typical planet. Lothal to me is a typical planet. You know, mm-hmm. just very much and I say typical probably Earth like, you know, there's lots of different climates, there's different yeah. people, there's cities, but it's not like Coruscant, which is, you know, one big city or uh, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, the other planets are all kind of very extreme. So Tao very much like what's happening here, the moment they were talking about what's happening here very very much harken back to um, kind of how Lothal was handled and Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, like what we've seen on so many other planets is, Hey, well, well, this will help us. And then what really happens is everything that they're doing. The Imperials industry is really just wreaking havoc on the planet. Mm-hmm. So it's, and so it's throwing off their natural environment. And you have, of course, growing frustrations with this oppression kind of thing. Yeah. And that's how you, and then and we see that a lot, you know, I, you see that a lot. And I mean, it's a real world thing mm-hmm. that, that I'm either for the people that are here or I'm against the change that's happening. Um, so very quickly after this event where uh, Lop is, you know, unofficially or officially adopted into Ocho's family, um, there is a seven year time jump. <laughs> real quick. Bam. Or, yep. Yeah. 13 minute episode. We span seven years. It's great. <laughs> uh, and we see that the the take like there's there's a lot happening on the planet now the empire is a little more grounded mm-hmm. um there is uh the more dissension amongst the people there is groups yeah. of rebels who are um fighting the troopers who are there on the planet and uh yeah what has like it's taken over their resources and now you've got this military this military presence that's happening yeah and uh, the leader, like who is technically Lop's adopted father, is finally to the point of okay, I, this has to stop. You know, we've we've somehow got a. But his daughter, who used to be well, who we knew as Lop's best friend, she and her father are not on the same side of this argument. Yeah, the father seems to be definitely for this idea of getting rid of the empire, mm-hmm. and you know the rebels have it right, uh, and really want to support that idea. Whereas uh, Ocho is very much on still believes that the empire is going to bring good and prosperity to them and their planets. Mm-hmm. And how she, I mean, I mean, that's almost like you're turning a blind eye to, to what's happening yeah. to your people. Well, but, it's, it's almost, a, it's almost an idea of radicalizing someone. 
Absolutely. Well, and she was at an age when that could have happened, like mm-hmm. when they first were really there. There's seven years of contacts we don't have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so you can you start to see that you know very quickly in this episode they formed a uh, strong family bond, and now seven years later that the empire is is really coming between everyone. Yep. Um. And yeah, so they're. I mean, I get it. They're kind of looking at, you know, her father's like, we lived a long, a long time without their assistance. Mm-hmm. And it's, and Lop's trying to, I, I, she kind of agree, you know, one, doesn't want to see her family fighting. But then two, you know, how do I get them to to see each other's side of things? And um, I, I do believe she's, at this point, you can kind of tell that Lop seems to be siding more with her father on things. Yep. Um, she's still trying but, to remain a neutral party and and try to yeah. help kind of be the the mediator in a way yeah but um, even as this like fight's happening you still have imperial troops showing up yeah to and so i don't know i to me that kind of spoke to the scene of of clearly they're in pretty deep if that's what disperses this you know kind of argument yeah um then we cut to ocho and lop just like not really sure where they're heading, but they're both in a hovercraft together. And this is where we have this conversation. I kind of thought this was going to go the direction of um, Lop not being an, a real member of their family. And I'm glad it didn't go that way. I'm, they mm-hmm. The whole time they too. treated it very much like, uh, you know, family is not. Uh, the situation of your birth does not define your family. It's yeah, kind of which a, I think that's an overarching kind of theme of Star Wars, right? Yeah. Um, well, and it's they they kind of do the same you know, sisterly kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. she's, you see the moment of that that closeness that they had when when you were first introduced to them. Yeah, um, but this hovercraft drive does end with them uh, running into an imperial officer who Ocho has been in contact with. Kind of a crazy, really nutty <laughs> imperial officer. I was trying to there's there's definitely a couple of characters that he reminds me of, and I can't like pin a single one of them down. But yeah, there was, there was definitely uh, just just his approach and the way he was drawn. His characterization was very, very. It was almost not typical of an imperial officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it takes all kinds, I guess, to run the empire. <laughs> um, and this is where I think Lop realizes, wow, Ocho's in deep, and there's really, it seems like right. there's no help for her. Right. Uh, and and she needs to go. She's back essentially and- a traitor. Yeah. She needs to go back and tell her father what's going on. Well, yeah, because at this point, Ocho's telling the Empire of all of her father's plans and stuff. Yeah. And so if, if La doesn't warn her father, then, you know, like even more stuff's going to stop. Um, there was this moment kind of what the, the moment that Ocho cut her braid off was a very mm-hmm. symbolic moment. We see this a lot in, in Japanese narratives. Um, when a female cuts their hair, it's usually, it's usually some sort of indication that they're, they're turning a page in their life. There's either being reborn in some, mm-hmm. in some respects. Um, a lot of times you see it in like uh, female centric anime where, you know, there's a big breakup and the girl needs to make a big change in their life. So they cut their hair because that symbolizes. I mean, we do that in, in real girl life too. Jason. That's true. I mean, but I'm not you, sure how symbolic like, change, you, you know, it's you not as symbolic. Go out there and like catch your hair with a more sword. Subdued. No, we don't do it with a sword. I mean, that'd be really freaking rad, but <laughs> I don't, 
I need it to be even. And so, so we have a little more vanity, I guess, in the States that we, we definitely go for big changes. We just, yeah. you know, we, we pay somebody to do that. most, Or sometimes we hack it off ourselves, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we do, it, we do it, shave it. We do it in, <laughs> in, in Western narratives as well uh, as some sort of like big change after. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you're right. This is why they do it in a, a much more symbolic way than yeah. what we do. Yeah. So she um, severs that whole re- allegiance with her father. Yeah. So this is where, you know, Lop then goes to her father, um, her adopted father, however you want to call it, Yasaburo. Um, and once he hears about this, this is when he leads Lop into this ceremonial room where she learns about this history of the planet and yeah, the Jedi. This was that, cool. The Jedi that came uh, to help them, you know, long ago. And he pulls out a box and goes, of course, there's a lightsaber involved. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, I thought and we're getting so, a non lightsaber so story, too. but we're not. Yeah. And yeah, so very, very ceremonious. Um, we're not really, they don't really make it clear whether or not uh, Yasaburo has some sort of force connection. I'm not really sure like, if that there's like, like, there was those visions. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how that, I mean, you, I guess we don't really have to know how that all transpired because that's very much yeah. not a, typically not a, it's not a very typical Jedi type thing they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, you know, he shared this history. Uh, which ultimately resulted in, in him handing Lop this lightsaber, uh, entrusting her with this legacy. Um, mm-hmm. He also knew that this may be the last time this ever gets passed on to someone else, which I thought was very interesting that he came to this realization at that point. Yeah. Um, that speaks highly of her ties with that family because it's, you know, she's she has this family bond with him without being blood. Yep. I mean, I'm immediately thinking, going, "Oh, Ocho's not gonna like this," <laughs> because <laughs> right. because Ocho's have has you know always been the favored daughter. Because yeah. I know in some Asian, it may be because she's the older daughter, but it's also because she's blood daughter. Like, there's a lot of reasons why that could have could have mm-hmm. been right. Um, but yeah, I definitely was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> Ocho's not gonna like that part." Yeah, and then the, I mean, the rest of the episode ensues kind of as you would expect it to play out. Father, the father sure. approaches, um, the father approaches Ocho, uh, and it doesn't end well for him. No, and at that point, I mean, she's even like now she's even dressed in imperial garb. Yeah, I yeah, mean, she's, she's clearly made the turn. Yep. Um, slashes at his face, takes out an eye. I mean, like there's a fight between them absolutely takes out his one good eye that he had left because he already had one that had been slashed yeah so yeah she clearly goes well that's the end of that um and again lop is still trying to hold her family together through all this Mm -hmm. but that's when um you have this you still have this fight she's pleading with them not you know she's pleading with her sister for i mean that's what she sees her as and then that's when Lop has to jump in and save her father's life, or try to save her father's life. That's when this green-bladed lightsaber comes into play. Mm-hmm. And and of course, that's when and Lop is a reluctant fighter, which we do see a lot in Star Wars. I mean, Ray was kind of a reluctant fighter, even. Yeah, yeah. She take that over. She got. But, she used it because she had to, and also, I mean, through this fight, we do see that you know for whatever reason, Lop does have some sort of connection to the Force, because she, at least some sort of innate, very kind of similar to Ray, like, 
she mm-hmm. didn't know about it, but she just used it when she needed it, kind of thing. Um, I I kind of liked it. I'm not I'm not upset about that. Yeah, yeah. You even have like they even I mean at one point even the the her little droid friend the the TD four trying to even reach out to Ocho's you know f- deep into her family uh family love showing them a picture that they first took together mm-hmm. as a family Ocho's just not having it and that's really the thing that kind of I think you get the whole Force Awakens idea with Lop mm-hmm. and you see her start to possess a few more force sensitive type things yeah but it was the whole thing was i mean it was i i really did like this one even if it was somewhat predictable yeah i mean ocho does get away she um on an imperial starship and so you kind of get this whole this isn't over kind of battle idea Mm -hmm. but it did i mean i would say probably about you know three or four of these have ended in a way that's not conclusive or complete mm-hmm. uh it leaves you i'm not sure if it leaves you wanting more but it it does leave you a little bit feeling like is that really the end of this story are we ever are we ever going to get any more yeah and and there's no telling whether that's going to be an intention for these narratives to to expand on them later in yeah. any way i i don't i don't anticipate that's going to happen um i don't but, either i'm with you on that one i don't know i mean this is one of my more favorite ones. Almost probably top three for me. Just the the style, the would, storytelling. Yeah, is I would agree good. with that. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Um, surprisingly, because I'm I'll be honest, as we were kind of go through and kind of right there in the middle, it got a little going. I'm not loving all of these, and that's yeah. okay. Like it's you know for to each their own. But I feel like they finished. They've been finishing a little stronger with mm-hmm. these because the last couple have been pretty good, for sure. But um, like I told you, why are women in the in all the anime so angry? <laughs> I'm sure there's a study out there that we could look up. <laughs> like like there's a lot of these that have really angry women in them. Like why are why are we the evil ones? Even in the twins, it was the female that was it was the girl that was evil. I don't know how to feel about that. I wouldn't take it too personally. More to come. <laughs> <laughs> So if you have any thoughts about this episode you'd like to share, you can drop us an email at contact at waitingforobi.com or find us on Facebook. At yeah, please come over and hang out. Waiting for Obi. Sorry. You're fine. And you can come back next time for our thoughts and opinions on the final episode of Star Wars Vision. We will see you again next time. Bye. You have been listening to Waiting for Obi, presented by The Chance Cube. Thank you for spending time with us today. We hope you join us again. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash waitingforobi. Until next time, may the Force be with you. This program is a Rogue One, not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company.